0: All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFP Talk 155. It is Tuesday night. This is when we like to hear from you. So if you'd like to join us, just go ahead and hit request. It's a good time to talk college football. It always is a good time to talk college football, but we just wrapped up week one, week zero, pardon me, and um, we're heading into week one. So I'm just going to go ahead and fire off that tweet. That lets folks know how they can join us from the Twitter app. You can just hit request in the lower left hand and I'd uh, love to hear from you. Otherwise, there's so much to talk about. First of all, I mean, there's a hurricane that's heading right now towards Florida. And and we just wanted to give our, our thoughts to all those in the path of uh, Hurricane Dahlia. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of campus closures right now. Obviously, more than just colleges are being affected, but We've seen that most of the major universities in its path from Florida, Florida State, especially um, UCF, USF, as well as schools stretching out, uh, FAMU, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, we're seeing closures in uh, various campuses. So we hope that everyone stays safe um, and listens to uh, emergency uh, alerts where possible, you know, obviously the National Hurricane Center. Is a very reliable source as well as your local authority. So we just wanted to say that at the outset. Also, a couple of quick housekeeping items. There's a couple of items going on right now at RCFB. Just wanted to remind everyone that we're having our fun free pick'em and it's been back and it's bigger than ever. Lots of prizes. You know, if you haven't entered yet, a random participant who plays this week is gonna get another custom Yeti prize because Yeti is one of our sponsors. There's going to be a beverage bucket that will be provided. Um, If you want, you can just head over to, I guess it's pick'em.reditcfb.com. We've got all of this information stuck to the top of the subreddit. But I just wanted to mention that if you'd like to enter and and see if you have a chance for that uh, Pick'em prize. You know, another kind of interesting thing that came across. We've been meaning to tweet this. We haven't had a chance because every year during the season, we pick the biggest blowout of the week, including week zero. And we look everywhere in college football, and we call it the Cobra Kai Award. And somebody threw it across our desk. It was up in Canada this week. Western, which is Western Ontario, which is actually like one of the three really good teams up in Canada, which is like Division II. I mean, they play Canadian rules, but they're close to being like a Division II style of program. One of them just clobbered York. Western clobbered the school uh, York, which is in Toronto, 83 to 0. That is that is true mercilessness. Canadian rules, American rules, I don't care what rules. That is just not even a rouge for those poor York Lions. So we're going to go ahead and call that one out right there. You know, I'm going to go ahead and let up John since I see him in the audience and he has hit request. Add him as a speaker. Again, whatever topics you'd like to talk about, there's so much um, going on. You know, actually, I'm also going to mention there was one Reply in the tweets, let's see here, uh, Paul Bryant-Davidson, crazy college football take for you. Colorado blows out TCU this weekend but loses the rest of their games by multiple scores. Boy, wouldn't that be something else. I, I mean, can you imagine the hype for Deion Sanders if he managed to blow out uh, you know, the uh, reigning runner-up uh, from the national title game? But uh, at the same time, uh, that would be amusing, although I don't think that would necessarily happen. But man, oh man, I mean, hey, you know what can we say? last year's Irish national champs didn't win a game on the mainland. I'm thinking Notre Dame will probably fare better than Northwestern did last season. So it's Notre Dame's time to shine and return from, uh, from Ireland and, and see if they can, can have better luck than uh, Northwestern
1: did last year. But John, what's going on? Hey man, how you doing today? Great. Hey, well, I just had a quick question. Um, Regarding Herm Edwards, uh, I know you you probably saw this week that uh, Arizona State gave himself a one year bowl ban, and I'm kind of curious how someone in Herm Edwards' situation gets and you know gets essentially a whole slew of of recruiting violations, and essentially very quietly gets to go back to ESPN without any questions going his way, which you know I you know this bowl ban really affects a, a lot of those poor seniors who you know especially really worked hard and really wanted to try to bring the program to a bowl game this year. And really, now they're really in a spot where they can't really. There's nothing for them really to accomplish. So I'm just kind of curious what your feelings are and just how, just the I guess the quiet, you know, the you know, this the really the dead quiet from the media about just how Edwards just just seamlessly transferred back over to media life.
0: Yeah, it is funny how college, you know, coaches and and some athletes as well can just kind of. Go off into the sunset and join. Because, I mean, and of course, for Herm Edwards, it's returning to ESPN. But, um, yeah, it it's a tough situation right now. I mean, I was reading John Wilner tweet a little earlier this week. You know, it's not just that Herm Edwards is one of the worst hires in recent Pac-12 history. It's that everyone knew it would be the case ahead of time. Everybody except Crow and Anderson, the president and uh, athletic director, you know, and they paid Edwards to go away. Where's the fiduciary obligation to the school? In other words, where is the responsibility of the uh, the people that even hired him to begin with? And then he went on to say the seniors should lawyer up and demand to know why the bull ban wasn't imposed before the portal closed in May, because now they're now stuck on this team that is not going to be able to play in the postseason. What changed in the past three months? Who knows? Answers could be useful in trying to gain eligibility waivers for 2024. So Wilder was quite upset about the way that was all uh, hot on the hotline about what happened over at Arizona State, which is what John is referring to, that they've uh, Arizona State's agreed to impose a one-year bowl ban. You know, they got a new head coach right now. This is stuff that apparently happened um, during, I believe it was during the COVID season. So, you know, a lot of people are griping about it on RCFE, that's for sure. And going more to John's question, you know, what, what does this mean for Herm Edwards? I, I mean, that is the sad thing that has happened for a long, I mean, far longer than the recent memory, where if a coach can get in a lot of trouble for running a program in a way that they do that gets them through all these violations, they can go to the end. I mean, you know, depending on how you decide it went. I mean, Pete Carroll happily went to the NFL. None of the stuff that happened to USC affected him there with the Seahawks. Herm Edwards had he gone to the NFL would have been in the same boat. But likewise, you know, here we go. He's he's at ESPN, and and it's it's kind of unfair. I mean, it could affect him if he decided to stay within college football. But if you leave the uh, the profession or leave, I guess what is managed under the association. I mean, you could theoretically talk about going to the NAIA or a JUCO. But I mean, you know, realistically, if you're you can't the 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 NCAA could still go after you or still at least do uh, for a four cause or something that would make it difficult to hire you. But if you don't stay in that same thing, you know you're scuffery and you're right. It can be kind of an unfair situation where someone can create a, a situation. Again, I don't want to speak too specific to Herman Edwards in particular here because I don't want to necessarily accuse him of something uh, beyond what the uh, school is obviously acknowledged and is, is self-inflicted, apparently self um, self-imposed bowl ban for. But yeah, it is the, the unfortunate nature of it where you can get these kinds of unfair circumstances. But that was a good question, and uh, and an interesting way to start off. Uh, the the whole Arizona State thing, I think, it it's not as paid attention to, especially now that you know we had a little bit of the the Pac-12 realignment shuffle. We know those guys are going to the Big Twelve as they head into this season. But it is an unfortunate. It is unfortunate, and I can totally see why, especially for folks who are Sun Devil fans. This is just a really frustrating situation, and um, it, that that's almost an evergreen comment. But of course. Anyone at Arizona State is still thankful they're not the other four teams in the Pac-12 that are kind of stuck, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I, I hate laughing at it. And we can t- talk more about what seems to be heading in that direction. It seems like there might be some lifelines out there, but but everything is delayed. You know, I want to allow someone else up here, and I promise to get to everyone who hits request early on. Um, let's see here. Real Nick Butts. What's going on, man? What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome.
2: Hanging in there. Um, so I just wanted to address something that, that's really been bothering me all off season. Now, granted, I'll, I'll go ahead and preface this with I, I am a Clemson alum and a lifelong fan. But do people seriously think that Florida State is better than Clemson this year? Do do people seriously think that Florida State is is going to the playoff and and, and beating Clemson possibly twice on the way? I, I, I just—I mean, you know, last year Clemson pretty much dominated that game. I feel like Florida State scored two garbage time touchdowns. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. But
0: you know, I think you've—and it's interesting. I—I I, I agree with why a lot of Clemson fans feel that way because Clemson has been the team, and and certainly Dabo has a lot can. You know, you can coach and, and I and, you know, the preseason, I mean, the AP, aren't they like they're side by side this season? It's fascinating to see. So I think more about what's going on is there's just more optimism with Florida State. And to an extent, there is, you know, you bring up an interesting question. How much of that is truly deserved? How much of that is the hype of last season that, oh, my gosh, Florida State might be back because they went through some tough seasons in Tallahassee, and uh, and again, again, we hope they're they're going to be fine uh, after the hurricane that goes through right now. But the I think we're going to learn a little bit more about them. I mean, because the nice thing is, you know, obviously they're going to try and sell at least once on the field, if not twice, as you mentioned, because um, Clemson is going to, I mean, obviously the, the Noles are going to head in to, to Clemson for that game. But I think we're going to get a better read. Of, the, the nice thing is we get the Camping World uh, kickoff that's coming up. Uh, this weekend that's going to be by the way a hell of a game we've got a reporter that's going to be covering it from the press box with LSU that this season especially compared to last year where those two teams squared off that's where we're going to get a little bit better sense of Florida State so I think Clemson has something going for it in that Florida State really has to if Florida State doesn't do well in that game I think because to be fair Clemson has and I don't say this is an insult has a smoother uh run up to that game with Florida State they got you know at Duke FCS, Charleston Southern, Florida Atlantic, we're not seeing, them, you know, quite that, that jump with jumping right into it with another top 10 preseason, preseason team, LSU, where Florida State and LSU are going to be basically squaring off to see which team has that hype train behind it, potentially for the rest of the season, or at least until they, they hit their major competitor for Florida State it would almost, as you said, it's Clemson for LSU, you know, the, the SEC has got a couple of other teams they got to worry about, but I think we're going to get a sense of it early, but I get why Clemson fans are, are concerned about that. I think this is to an extent, are we seeing what would happen with, to go to other conferences, a USC or Texas where, you know, the, the Texas is back meme or, you know, is USC for historically would be overrated in the preseason AP poll, even if they had a mediocre year, just because it was USC, um is that what is fsu in that boat i mean what do you think about that is that do you think there's a bit of that going on
2: yeah definitely definitely i i just i i think a lot of people just just want them to be really good this year you know i think i think a lot of people just miss the days where they were where they were the dominant team in the acc and i mean we'll see what happens i mean yeah that that sunday night game week one um shoot i guess that's just in a few days um. yeah, that'll be very telling, but, man, we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: We'll see what happens. Exactly. That's the exciting part about it. I, I, you got me hyped up now for more of that Sunday's game than I ever thought. Oh, probably it's Sunday or Monday. I forget what day that's going to be on. I think that's uh, that's the Monday. No, that's the Sunday game. I am I'm now so yeah, hyped for North that game. Sunday. That is going to be great to watch those two because, again, yeah, if, if Florida State just buzzsaws us through LSU – Everyone's going to go like, uh-oh, <laughs> here they come. But um, yeah, I think to some extent – because if you think about it, we talked about this sorry, a bit like in the offseason. Florida's had – the, the top Florida schools have all been pretty down recently with Miami, Florida, and FSU. So last year, FSU was able to kind of finally start to look like they have their, at least at a position where they were when it was those three teams dominating everybody or at least being the, the, being the powerhouses – in their respective conferences. But but yeah, now with the all three schools having gone through recent down periods, I think maybe there is that excitement that, okay, it's Florida State is the one that's emerging. But it could students shift to the others if Florida and Miami start to, to show more of a pulse. But we'll see. But that was a great question. Thanks so much. Let's see here. I see we got uh, Yaboy Ron who wants to join. Let's let you up. Um, go ahead and let you up here. So much stuff going on, by the way. You know, one other topic I wanted to hit as we're kind of waiting. You know, somebody did some analysis on Twitter uh, or X. You know, or X going to give it to you. or whatever I want to say it. So, looking at the new clock rules, because as you know, there were three new rules that went in on the uh, on the, the NCA rules to, to speed up the game allegedly. But they did the math on a seven game sample of week zero. So, again, it could adjust with time. I mean, seven games is not how you necessarily want to set it. But just from the seven games they analyzed, the average number of plays was down 7.8%. That's to be expected. You know, went down to about 63.3 plays per game versus last season with a sample of 896 games, there were uh, 68.7 plays per game. But here's the annoying part. Okay, so 7.8% of plays, less of them. The average length of the game only went down 1.4%, which adds up to three minutes. So we lost almost 8% of the plays that were being uh, run a game, but the game has only, uh, the actual length of the game has only gone down by three minutes, which, as you can guess, that seems to be just, oh, wow, more commercials. So less plays, more commercials We'll see how that pans out. Obviously, that's seven games versus a nearly 900 game season. But we're gonna have to. That that's something I'd like to see more on as this moves forward. I'm sure there's gonna be people tracking that as we keep going on. But yeah, boy, Ron, what's going on? What's on your mind? Wait, that's crazy. There's only 63,
3: like 68 plays a game or something. Yeah. Last that's season
0: real? there was an average of 68.7 plays per game. Um. That feels little. And then, yeah, and then it's gone down to now 63.3, but there's only a three minute difference in playtime, which means they're filling it with something else because it's not like people are are doing, you know, Tech Mobile with Bo Jackson running across the field in both directions like nine times before you finally score a touchdown because he was <laughs> Bo Jackson in the Tech Mobile. But uh, <laughs> man, that's what's on your mind, Matt?
3: man? I, I, uh, no, I was going to say, uh, I just want to get your opinion on. Oh, before this, actually, I just want to say I love it when. People call Lane and talk about like a rival school or something. It's so funny because I feel like, as long as I've been listening, I've never heard any of them say that their rival is not
0: overrated. <laughs> so I just thought about that
3: with the last That's guy. That's what's it's so called.
0: lovely about it. I can't blame them. I mean, but also, when I mean, you're a Clemson fan, like they've been in the national championship in recent years, and Florida State's like, okay, cool. You had it. Like I get suffering. it. But of course, Florida State could very well go through and, and it could be, you know, what was it, 2012, 2013? When was the last time? But I mean, they could they could still do it again. I mean, I'm not I'm not doubting the the Knolls at all. I know um, Brett Sally did a whole thing on which teams he thought could enter the playoff. But really, I mean, and I agree with the, the criticism was he actually he mostly named the teams that could theoretically win the championship because TCU proved that you know any team could theoretically make the make the playoff uh, and get to the championship game. But yeah, for the ACC, his picks were Clemson and Florida State were the only two with a reasonable chance. Um, And I think that's reasonable. I mean, his Big 12 pick was just Texas. Big 10, he thought, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Pac-12, he went broader. He said Washington, USC, Utah, or Oregon. And SEC only, you know, the Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and then Notre Dame. So, um, those were his picks for college playoff contenders.
3: He put Notre Dame on there?
0: You know, I, I feel like they're, I mean, we we're just talking about this with teams that sort of get hyped for, you know, no matter what. But, I mean, hey, Notre Dame clean the clock of, uh, AFC Richmond, pardon me, Navy. So, uh, you know, they, um, they, I guess until they, they prove otherwise, Sam Hartman seemed legit, but again, it was Navy, so we'll, uh. Well wait, we, we should apologize to maybe, anyone maybe in I'm Ireland. Not for, them we gotta give Ireland better games. We really do. I don't know what it takes, but uh, we gotta ship them something. I I don't know how, but uh, ship them like some wild midweek action game against even programs that otherwise would maybe not fill their stadium. Just send them to Ireland and uh, do that, see how that goes. You know, why not? You know
3: what'd be cool? Notre Dame versus USC in Ireland.
0: <laughs> you know, and those two fan bases could afford it. You know, there's certain fan bases that you'd love yeah. to see there, the the ones that travel. I mean, it was thr- it was yeah. neat that Nebraska went last season. I think that was wonderful. Northwestern, I mean, they're neat, but they don't travel. But a team like Nebraska, a team like Notre Dame, there's there's teams that do travel and and plenty of them. And it, you know, I I feel bad. Those aren't the games necessarily for mo- more more. Um, those are more of the uh, the the super wealthy alumni. I love those games. You know, So I do sympathize at why you don't necessarily want to do those all the time, because it's not like if you're a person who has to kind of scrounge money to get to see because games are ex- so damn expensive at home anyway, then add a trip to Ireland and all of it. So I do sympathize with that, but they're kind of neat to see, for sure. They're fun. All
3: right, so yeah, back to what my original question was going to be. So I was looking over the AP poll, and I just want to know what team do you think is probably the most overrated on the poll?
0: Oh, man. <laughs> well you know i'm not sure i'm gonna go so far as i i, I don't who, okay let's start with you who do you think
3: oh i'm gonna go texas i will always say texas i i have never once believed them to ever be back and i will never believe them to ever be back really
0: this year they they actually legitimately look pretty good i mean uh i don't know yeah, yeah
3: that's always but that's, i feel like we do this every three years with them like oh man this is this is the year like oh they got some guys who are juniors and seniors. They got a, sure, I forget their quarterback's name. He's actually promising. I like yes. him. But other than that, I just don't believe the team.
0: Okay. Um, you know, I'm curious to see. I, I'm more curious to see if th- there's so many Pac 12 teams up there that I'm kind of hesitant to think all of them are going to be as good as they are right now. I mean, you've got obviously you've USC, and it could very well be USC, certainly against San Jose State. The defense looked about as bad as it did last year, um, except this was against a team that wasn't as, I guess, as good as Tulane or as good as Utah or as good as the other teams that clobbered them in the last season. But uh, that did not look good for USC. So it could very well be them. And as a number six in the preseason AP, I don't think they looked it. I think they looked like uh, maybe a, a mid, mid, like somewhere in the teens. And then you've got, I mean, we'll see between Utah, Oregon, Oregon State. You know which one of those? How and Washington? I'm not sure all of those guys are going to stay up there. So I'm I, I don't know why I'm more skeptical about the Pac-12. Not because the conference is imploding, but just because that's that's pretty bullish. Now, granted, they've got some incredible QBs at all of those programs, but um, I'm still I'm still a little bit hesitant to say that it, top to bottom they're all going to be they're all going to be top 25 teams this season. I think there, there's going to be a, quite a bit of a shakeout with some of those.
3: I feel like the issue with the Pac-12. I feel like this was really the case last year. It was hard to get a real good gauge on them because anybody in the Pac-12 could have beat anybody on any given day.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's that's been their absolute Achilles' heel. When there isn't a team that's just absolutely crushing it, like the USC or or Oregon kind of dynasty years. It's been it's that's that's who they are. Um, And uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to pin that. You know, I see we have someone else in the queue. I want to let I want to get as many folks up here as possible. I'm going to let up Samuel Kaufman, um, and as we kind of keep this moving forward, you know, another kind of. By the way, there was one fun story that came out today. Not it's just different. I don't. I've never heard of this before. I think it's the first time that ESPN has agreed to partner with a movie theater distributor. I'm not sure if it's a particular chain, but they're going to show apparently 75 college football games in movie theaters this season. Now, I'm not sure if they're kind of going to be the many of those I think are going to be related to ACC teams and if those are going to be more tailored to specific towns so like if you want to that could be a fun game watch party hell. I mean, I've I've done I mean, I am an alumnus of the University of Southern California. I live in Minnesota. Sometimes I would go to game watch parties and you know, you'd find a sports bar that might be willing to put the game on the TV. You know, I mean, anyone who's been an alum who's living far away from home, you run into that but the idea of, you know, like if you're an ACC rich city like a, a, a Charlotte or, you know, an Atlanta metro area, I could see there being a desire for a bunch of fans to get together in a in a movie theater just to kind of have a game watch party and, you know, bring you know, bring candy, you know, whatever, you know, popcorn, all that stuff and make a mess and not have to worry about necessarily pissing off some homeowner. But uh, so that, that they've announced that and the other games are going to have apparently they're going to have every New Year's Six Bowl plus the college football playoff semifinals and the national championship. Not entirely sure about the details of distribution, um, but this is something they're doing, and I'm, it'll be interesting to see if it has any likes, idea of having some of these college football games being shown in movie theaters. So, yeah, that'll be something to look out for. It'll be something interesting to see how that goes. Um, but anyways, I know, uh, let lets you up here, Samuel Kaufman, what's going on?
4: Hey, what's up? Hey. So I would I wanted to get your take on on some of these um, games in Week One that people aren't really talking about that I think could be big time upsets. I mean, Texas Tech going to Laramie, Wyoming seems like an obvious choice. Of you know what can go wrong will go wrong in a place that you can't really prepare for. It's seven thousand six hundred feet uh, where Lubbock, Texas is not even, you know, is like I think at 2,000 or 3,000 feet. And if we, you know, I've been hearing so much about Texas Tech being so hyped up as like this dark horse when, even when Mike Leach was coaching at Texas Tech, they were never really talked about like this. So I think that could be a major, major upset. Uh, You know, they just go up to Laramie, lay an egg, and Wyoming just, you know, run the ball down their throat for four quarters. Yeah,
0: Wyoming well, always gets that kind of, like, can the team handle the altitude? Because it is the highest stadium in um, FBS football. But hmm, I'd be curious about that. I, uh, I'm not sh- there's, i not
4: sure. There's a history of Power 5 teams going there and stinking Oh, absolutely. Like, I- Curry went there and got field stormed just two years ago. Missouri had like Kelly Bryant at quarterback. They were supposed to be good that year.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and now you got me thinking about what team, what game I would also suggest that might be interesting, although I'm not sure how big of an well, it would be an upset, I think only because of the preseason ranking. But Boise State, you know, is heading to Washington. And Boise State is one of those teams that has a credible chance of breaking into the New Year's six um Especially if they can they're, they're always considered you know a puncher's chance in the Mountain West Conference. I think Air Force is their primary challenger this season. But you know, if they could go into Washington and surprise them, I could I could see that. I mean Washington's ranked number 10. they got a great quarterback, they're solid team all around, but that would be one where I would not be shocked if that happened. It would be an upset. I would certainly consider it an upset, but uh, I'd be more, that one I wouldn't be a that one would would be a shat, that would you know would be a classic the uh, would put Boise State as notice as being a New Year's six contender while and and really not kill but seriously derail Washington's um, season but that I mean again if we're talking about possibilities that one would be I think on my radar as well but yeah Texas Tech at Wyoming is an interesting call I think that one you know we'll see I'm curious to see how that one goes you know it's so funny too I'm looking at if Jamie Chadwell had not left Coastal Carolina, their visit to UCLA would have been one I would have considered. But they yes, they've got the same quarterback at Coastal who's he's just a stud. He stayed. He dabbled with the transfer portal and decided to stay put. But um I'm not gonna He s-
4: couldn't get anywhere. From what I know about the the Coastal Carolina quarterback, is he tried getting into schools like Auburn and Indiana and he could not uh, meet the admissions requirements.
0: Yeah, so exactly, they got to keep him there. So, but at the same time, I mean, Chadwell was a great uh, is, is a good coach. We'll see how he does at Liberty. Um, but yeah, so I think I think your trans your choice is as good as any in that. I'm not sure which other which other teams I would necessarily put on upset alert. Of course, that's why we say that, and then some team we don't expect completely <laughs> uh, shocks another. But that was a good question. Um, are there any others you wanted to bring up or?
4: Well, I was going to say week two. I would have put Tulane in Ole, you know, in old Miss is an obvious choice as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I was going to ask um, what your thoughts are about how the new play clock rule could help a team like an Air Force upset, you know, a big Power Five school this season. How some of these teams like a Wyoming could just run the ball consistently and effectively and basically just kill two, three quarters of an entire game, just holding on to the ball. Yeah. That's
0: a great point because the, the point, as we were talking about earlier, the, the, from week zero, the stats are is that it reduced plays by, you know, nearly 8%. Um, in terms of, uh, sorry, I had that number in front of me. Nearly, nearly 8% reduction in the number of plays, uh, just in the seven games that this person had, uh, Studied in week zero, so that those were pretty straightforward games. Obviously, Navy tends to play a little faster sometimes, but you know, Notre Dame just ran over them. But a, a really smart team that plays that kind of burn the clock football, like in the Air Force, I would be really interesting to see how that goes because these three new clock rules are designed to keep the game moving faster, and that's that is what a team like an Air Force is trying to make work. They're trying to keep the other team off the field consistently run that ball, which will burn the clock and just, you know, score, keep it. Poss- it's a possession game for them. I, I never, I mean, that's a great point. I, I'd be curious to see how well it works. I mean, uh, this season may be the one where they're still getting used to it or sometimes teams get, so I still remember, was it uh, when he was at Wisconsin, Brett Bima, when they tried to, when they changed the rules, uh, I can't remember. Oh man, it had to do with how timeouts were when would start the clock or, or something like that. Um, and against Penn State, he learned how to game the rules and burn the end of the game without Penn State getting a chance to, to even throw it down or play. And at the time, it was Joe Pa was just blowing up on the sideline. But, you know, he uh, Brett Bielema was smart enough to rules lawyer the, <laughs> the new rules to the point where they had to change them almost immediately. So I mean, you know, maybe we'll see a team that, like an Air Force, or, or a team that is playing that kind of football, really take advantage of it to just really upset another team. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to necessarily come up with something that was totally unintended. But I'll be curious to see how that plays out. That was a great. That was a great thought. Uh, I really appreciate that one. Let's see, us Yeah. And oh, then, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: Uh, one last thing I just wanted to say about Texas because uh, my family is connected to the program there um whenever they 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 haven't released the depth chart yet and Sarkeesian is keeping a tight lid on that but of course when they play rice they they have to give a a depth chart out to the media um to call the game i think it'll be surprising to a lot of people when they see that pop up on their twitter feed if they look for it how big texas really is now in the defensive and offensive trenches because like when they were under under Herman, they were very bad on the lines of scrimmage. That's why year one, when they went to Arkansas, they just got mowed over, was because they didn't have the size. Now they do. They've got multiple guys over like three hundred pounds on both sides of the ball, and they're like three, four deep on both sides of the ball on offense and defensive line. So I think like a lot of people are just thinking Texas uh, is the same old Texas, and they're not back. I think once people really see the size that they have in the trenches finally that it is scc level size comparable to alabama i think people are going to start to realize that texas may be for real
0: absolutely we're going to get some good tests of that early on um yeah no I, i i'll believe it when i see it yeah but uh i don't disagree with any of that thank you for that you know and it's funny i just remember there was an article earlier this week about what you were talking about not releasing depth charts And um, it was, I believe it was in Atlantic, pardon me, in Atlantic, sorry. (laughs) Audrey Snyder with The Athletic uh, wrote about that, you know, how it's a silly season with all the coaches playing games with these depth charts and trying to be secretive about it and not let the other team know who's coming up. You know, on the other side of that week one Texas game or that first Texas game, uh, we do know who's starting for Rice, which is hilarious because it's JT Daniels, who this will be his third time starting a game against Texas. The the twist to it is, it's all three have been with different teams. He started against Texas with USC in 2018. He started against Texas with West Virginia in 2022. And he started against, he's presumed to now start against Texas as a quarterback of Rice. And let's not forget that he also started games for Georgia uh, in the middle of that before um, he had an injury and Stetson Bennett took over. So... Yeah, JT Daniels is going to get his third try against Texas. I have to say, um, I'm sure he's a good, he's he's a decent player, but um, his supporting cast at Rice might not necessarily be at the same level as those other three teams: uh, USC, Georgia, and uh, West Virginia that I just mentioned. But we wish him well, and it's it's kind of amusing to to see him have another crack at it um, that we will see soon. I see we have a couple other people you want to join and talk, so I'm going to go ahead and let you up as well. James Walker, I'm going to let you up. I'd love to hear from you. You know, one other kind of funny note as we're kind of getting our next speaker up here. Um, oh, and it looks like the system spat him out. Sometimes that happens. I, I, no, no, uh, no disrespect. Sometimes the, the, the system doesn't like that. So Max McCurdy, I'm going to let you up. Um, and as I'm letting him up, uh, let's see here. Let's go ahead and add the speaker there. And John, I'll get to you in a second. Jacksonville State, which is now like Sam Houston State, has joined the FBS. They currently have the highest FBS winning percentage of all time, 100%, because uh, with a minimum of zero games. They they had their victory over UTEP, and uh, good for them, which, as some of you may know, their head coach is Rich Rod, um, uh, which Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke at San Diego State and Don Brown at UMass, three head coaches who won their Week 0 games, all coached at Michigan at one point or another. Two of them head coaches, Rich Rod and Brady Hoke. And Don Brown was the defensive coordinator there um, for several years before returning to UMass where he was a uh, head coach even when they were not at the FBS level. But um, let's see here. Oh, it looks like the uh, looks like our last caller wasn't able to come up. That's fine. Uh, I saw a hand up earlier. But um, oh there you are. John. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: hey, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say real quick. I put the uh, I found the uh, tweet regarding the games that are gonna be at the movie theaters this weekend. Put that in replies if anyone's curious. What four games they're gonna put out there?
0: Absolutely, we appreciate that. Yeah, and I know it's on. Uh, I know most people have reported ESPN's. It, the funny thing is, it's ESPN. If you ever they have a press website, that's most people don't know. It's literally just ESPNPressRoom.com. So if you ever hear ESPN doing something and you just want to cut the crap and just go right to what's actually happening, you can always go there. That's like their uh, media-to-media website. They don't advertise it that much, but anyone can, like, check it out if you really want to know um, what's going on there. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and let up someone else. Let's set up betting monster. I see him in the audience. Um, He had his hand up. You know, uh, one quick Note on college game day, apparently a uh, big and rich come into your city was retired as the opening song. So I know some people really like that. I feel really old because I was kind of like, what is this song when it first came out? So I still kind of think that. And then I remember they added like a rap interlude, um, which works, but I mean, it was, I remember when they added it because it was like, wait, where did this section come from one season? Um, but yeah, I guess they're going to be playing a new song. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's not people are entirely optimistic, you know, as, as a USF fan, the Big John put on RCFB, but who's going to put the ting in my tang tang? Um, but we'll see. I mean, some people were hoping it would be Johnny Cash's I've been everywhere. That would be an awesome one. But we'll see. I guess we'll all see Saturday when the, the new one comes up ahead of the Belk kickoff. You know, I, I'll probably, God, am I that old? Uh, the Duke's Mayo Classic. Sorry, the Duke's Mayo Classic, same stadium, Charlotte Sports Foundation. We love them. Before I forget, by the way, and I, and I'm gonna get to our, our the the call I just let up. Um, we are actually having an AMA tomorrow. Uh, with the Duke's Mayo Classic, they're really fun. They love to run their AMA. They're Ask Me Anything as the bowl itself, or as in this case, the kickoff classic itself. But the the Duke's Mayo Classic, they we put it on our CFB. Um, we'll probably sticky it. Um, it's, I think our, we've got a tweet just in our mentions recently linking, if you want to ask questions to the Dukes Mayo classic, but it's going to be fun. They're just talking all the silliness. Will they do a Mayo dump? I don't think they're going to do one for the kickoff, um, but they do for, for the classic, but they do it for the the bowl game. It's North Carolina versus South Carolina. It's all the Carolinas. I'm sure East Carolina will be standing outside the stadium, asking the ACC to let them in, but uh, it should be good. So Anyway, on that note, um, Betting Monster, what's going on?
5: Hey, thank you for uh, bringing me up to let me speak. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask you, uh, if you don't, if you have time, I just want to ask you a couple questions and, and get your thoughts on this. And this is uh, <clears throat> going into uh, last week in that game with uh, USC. Um, I, and listen, I, I understand that, that Lincoln Riley, you know, is uh, – is a good offensive mind head coach. Uh, I think out of the last six out of the last eight coming into the season, he either had a Heisman winner or or Heisman, you know, running up. But I, I was looking for him to have improved that defense a lot, and I, I just didn't see it. And I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on a head coach like that who have put players in the nfl but have never won a national championship um uh, as a coach uh how can you come into the season with that dc and you know and, and it's just and we've seen uh a, uh a, a, just not even a team that's average just i mean just really just tortured them and i just seen no improvement and i'm just curious to get your thoughts on that
0: oh i i, I definitely get what you're coming from on that it was Strange to see so little improvement, considering that they had some strong transfers come in.
5: To just... where well, they got the kid from Georgia, exactly. Bear Alexander. They got up. some. Man, he didn't. Come they mean, got, in.
0: they yeah. got the talent. I mean, clearly that same route helped the offense last season, but this season, yeah, no. And and what is the central character in all of that? I mean, I'm a strong believer in, especially in college football, more than I think most sports of any sport. The coach makes a difference. It really does in in terms of strategy, in terms of of using the talent that's there. And a lot of folks were mm-hmm. surprised that Grinch, the defensive coordinator, was retained last year. But correct, correct, Alex. Yeah, Grinch. and the assumption was yeah. that okay, they're gonna maybe give him more talent. Maybe they just didn't. They were so focused on improving the offense, which clearly worked, that they didn't get the talent to help him run a good defense. Of course, I know. A lot of folks who were Oklahoma fans, who and looking past the obvious Freud, a lot of them were just wanting to see Lincoln Riley fail, fail, fail. And I get that. But they were like, this is what we saw from this anyway. They were kind of not shocked to see the defense that first season. But now, as we've talked this offseason, they brought in some talent. some And in addition to just recruiting, they, they brought in via the portal some solid talent and still against in San Jose state, it should not look that way. Now, of course we say that, I mean, you know, just the caveat. Yeah. There's a chance San Jose state's actually awesome. We find out as the season goes, but I mean, we're going to assume that's not the case. Cause that's less likely. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, if they can't get it together by mid season I mean, if they can't get this together soon, it's going to fall apart real fast.
5: Um, so I, 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 I think that is, I, I, I think that this, listen, and, and like I said, I, I, I could be wrong and I'd like to be proven right. I, I, I think that it's going to fall off a cliff and it's going to fall off a cliff real quick.
0: Yeah, I agree. Cause you can't, I mean, they're going to get into a firefight real fast. I mean, luckily for them, I don't know how Nevada's going to look this week. Um, I'm not sure Stanford is in any position to really be much of a challenger, but pretty quickly by, well, that's the thing. Yeah. There's, st- there's, st- Their schedule is a little light at the beginning. I mean, they can get away with it. You know, we may see some. They they keep getting away with it with Nevada, with Stanford, with Arizona State, Colorado, Arizona. But then you're gonna get Notre at Notre Dame, Utah, Washington at Oregon, UCLA. So will they end up being a team that's that somehow mysterious? Like not mysteriously, but goes to six and zero and then just gets you know at best five of the last six games i mean if they can't get that okay. defense together it wouldn't be out of it wouldn't be unheard of
5: well they in trouble they're they in trouble and then they don't and and that's what was the issue last year against utah the defense they just they just they can put up points but they, they if you can't stop them on the other end you got a major concern and then another question i wanted to ask you real quick i know you probably got some other speakers coming up and, and you kind of had brought this team up real quick and I, I know a lot of people, you know, f- for us with uh, Notre Dame. But listen, I I understand it was Navy, and and I'm not, I'm not taking anything. I, I, listen, I will put to you like, what what Notre what Notre Dame did to a lot of people, they thought that's what they were supposed to do. But the way I look at it is, you coming in with a new offensive coordinator since Tommy Reese ain't there, you brought Par- Parker in as your new OC. Okay, and you brought in a new quarterback. Now, I understand this is the same quarterback that have been in college forever. They came from Wisconsin, which I believe the head coach up there in Wisconsin, Norman Brown, if he don't do something quick, he's going to lose his job. But anyway, um, to me, I thought that I-, I, knew Notre- I knew Notre Dame would get there. I just didn't know how the first couple of drives was looked. They went right down the field. Well, Actually, they went right down the field back-to-back and score and he looked like he'd been in this offense for years and i know a lot of people listen i and i and i'm not over jumping the gun because i think this is one of the best uh quarterbacks that notre Dame done had in a while even even over uh jack when they had jack when they had uh when they had book back then when they had uh uh, chase claypool and all them receivers up there back then years ago under uh brian kelly but uh I I know that a lot of people high on uh, Kelly. I mean, on uh, Caleb Williams winning this Heisman. But I'm I'm going to say this real quick. And, and I don't want to overjump the gun, but I'm just going on my eye test. Uh, now, they don't have – I don't know if he necessarily have a deep threat down the field like Notre Dame have normally had or maybe what he had back in Wisconsin. I mean, West Virginia. But with that run game and the way – uh, he fit in. To me, we may need to keep our eye on this team because I think this team could be a team that could really make some noise. And I'm, I'm, but we still got to see some challenge. I understand that because Navy ain't really too much a to challenge. But one good thing I'll take away from this game real quick that I do see improvement even with the defensive coordinator was last year they got in that second half, they let the fullback destroy them. They shut that shit down this year. They did not let that boy go off in the second half. And this is just a sleeper team that I think – People need to really keep their eye out. I think they're going to make some noise.
0: You know, the only thing I'm going to say, and I, just because I'm sure there's going to be people out there listening, yeah, Sam Hartman was from Wake Forest. So
1: you're like,
0: I love it because you're like, well, Wisconsin. No, it was West Virginia. I mean, like my, Wake my Forest, bad, but, Wake yeah, Forest. My, no, my, my no, bad. No, 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 yeah, it's I cool. Been, no, but he was I awesome. I I mean, he was football. awesome at Wake right. Forest. I mean, he's, you know. Right. And so it wasn't right. shocking to see him plug in the Notre Dame. And I think that was part of what he wanted because, yeah, and suddenly – unlike being at Wake where he was a great player and everyone was giving him respect, mm. suddenly when you're at Notre Dame, yeah, you're actually more in the Heisman conversation because it's, to an extent, it's Notre Dame. To an extent, you got a, a lot more variety in opponents. It, the con- There's no real conference there, so he's going to get to play against USC. He's going to get to play against a variety of teams. Although, yeah, but real quick note, this is such a, I love minor trivia in college sports. Um, next week, actually, I should say this weekend, um, Mm-hmm. Notre Dame plays an FCS program for the first time in its history. Notre Dame has never played anything other than other FBS programs or equivalent thereof. Tennessee State is heading Correct. into Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, the HBCU, that'll mm-hmm. be an interesting one to see. It's, uh, But I just want to put that out. And UCLA was one of the last three. They're also playing uh, an HBCU mm-hmm. that's coming up. Um, that's going to be interesting, especially because. But but Tennessee State, you got Eddie George going in there as the head coach. I'm looking forward to seeing Understand.
5: that. But I I don't think that's going to be. I, listen, I, I, listen. This is the same quarterback that we seen beat the Florida States, okay? In the in the oh, yeah, ACC. Hartman, so listen, you're right, Sam Hartman, To me, I'm gonna say this, and then then I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna you know let you get back. I think, and, and this is just me, and it ain't just because of what he did this past weekend. I think that he is a better quarterback. To me, this is just my – and he has been in the league for a long time. I think he is a better quarterback than anybody in college right now because the reason why I say that. I think he's it's actually an NFL-ready quarterback that's still in college. I think with Caleb Williams, I think it's the system that fits him. Yeah. I think with Sam Hartman, I think Sam Hartman can, can go in anybody's system and still be good. And actually, we have seen it.
0: Absolutely. We'll see. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does this season. Because So far, he's exactly what Irish fans were hoping for. But I just wanted to thank you so much. Those were some great points, Betting Monster. It was it was a pleasure having you up here, man. Um, and again, if you'd like to join the conversation, you can always hit request as we kind of go into the final roughly oh, 13, 15 minutes. A couple other little headlines I wanted to kind of touch on because it's sort of fun to sort of look at what's happened across the week. Um you know, the there was supposed to be um, a meeting on last night with the ACC about whether to expand or not. Unfortunately, there was that tragic uh, shooting at the University of North Carolina campus, so it's been pushed back. Uh, we again, we wish, you know, we our thoughts are for everyone over there. But going back to just sort of the thoughts at hand, since it's been postponed, we can I guess talk about it still. Uh, the question is going to be whether who whether the ACC expands and who they might take and what the ramifications are for that. You know, Brett McMurphy, um, who brought up an interesting point yesterday, was one reason the ACC is considering Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Is And this is interesting. I didn't know this. ESPN's media rights deal with the ACC allows ESPN to renegotiate if the league drops below 15 members. So the idea is bringing in new teams like this would give them the numbers if Florida State and Clemson left. So to put this in in another words, they wouldn't be allowed to renegotiate because the idea is if suddenly Florida State and Clemson got out, they would renegotiate. They would be happy to start that automatic renegotiation to give the ACC less money per team. But if somehow the ACC never drops below that magic number, they can't. So for the rest of the media deal, they're – paying this slightly less less attractive um, group of teams, you know, the same amount of money they were paying when FSU and Clemson were there. I'm not sure if that'll end up coming into play at all, but it was an interesting note to the peculiarities of the media deal between the ACC and ESPN. Because again, as we know, there is some grumbling going on with Florida State, especially, and Clemson about the money distribution and how even if they do an uneven distribution, those two programs would not get the same amount that the SEC programs would be getting and they would much rather be in a different conference that could pay them more, especially after what happened to the Pac-12. You know, it was interesting too, I know Dan Wetzel wrote an, uh, an interesting article at Yahoo about the fact that, and we've heard this before, SMU is basically willing to pay to just be in the conference of the ACC. They are willing, I mean, there was another John Canzano, uh, the, the writer in Oregon, he's like major SMU donors said between, you know, I guess these are major donor families, the Hunt family, the Miller family and the Armstrong family and 15 guys. I know there's pockets there to cover a 100 to 200 million dollars worth of costs in the seven year period. So we're basically getting the school that is known and best known for paying for the best running backs in the Southwest Conference saying, like, look. We will just basically pay the school at the rate it would get from the ACC so the ACC doesn't have to pay it. just please, dear heavens, let us into your conference. Um, Stanford similarly seems to be willing to play for almost nothing uh, in terms of taking uh, money out of the ACCs. Uh, with with them, as I said last week, they've got a, you know, they've got a, like a thirty billion dollar endowment. I say you hold out on Stanford until they're willing to pay each team like ten million dollars. Let's have the first team that pays the other teams to join the conference. Let's let's take advantage of the the uh, the Montana Max the Richie Rich you know team out there. But um, another kind of rumor that popped out there this week, and this one came from Michael Silver, who is a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, so again, I'm not sure the veracity of it, but it certainly isn't coming from random blogger 105. Um, as Cal and Stanford attempt to finalize a deal with the ACC, the Big 12 has surfaced as another potential landing spot in a scenario where all four of the remaining schools could still join the Big 12. I'm not sure where that would go. That is by far the best news to ever cross the, uh, those unfortunate fans who we, we hope are fine with at Wazoo and Oregon State. We'll see where that goes. That was one of those kinds of stories that you see you throw out there and you kind of keep an eye on it, see if it develops anywhere. Ross Dellinger, over, also over at Yahoo nowadays, if you have missed that he moved from SI, but uh, he was kind of updating something we've also been discussing, which is the, the, the renegotiation of the college football playoff in the sense that starting next year for two years, starting next season, not this season, we're going to have the 12-team playoff which was supposed to be a, what they call a six plus six. The five six automatic qualifiers, which are going to be presumably, the way it's written, the six top conference finishers, which would be the P5 plus AG5 team, would automatically be in the playoff, plus six at large. With the implosion of the Pac-12 for next season, there was a question of how to reorganize it because it sounds like there is consensus among the, the remaining P5 that needs to be redone, um, but there is some question of how it seems like the lead is now what seemed to be the most fair version of it which was five plus seven i.e. the four remaining p4 plus uh, g5 plus seven at large teams sankey over at the sec the commissioner there had suggested going just 12 at large teams but that one seemed to have a lot of problems a lot of pushback and potentially bringing up the same political uh, pushback that caused the BCS to widen out to uh, the model that we know where they went to the plus one, where they went from just only four BCS games, including the championship to four BCS games plus the championship. Um, For those of you old enough to remember that, because I feel really old when I say things like that. Some other minor news, Minnesota sold out their season opener. Um, It's been a first time I've had a CSL out in several couple of years. I'm excited about that because I'm going to be covering that game from the press box over at TC... Well, gosh, I keep calling it TCF Bank Stadium. The bank bought another bank, they renamed themselves Huntington, whatever, um, at the uh, the Gopher Stadium. So that'll be a fun one to see on Thursday. Um, I'm looking forward to that. It'll be interesting to see how Matt Rule does there. Someone in the replies actually asked what my take is on that game. Since I'm covering it, I'm not going to say a position. He also asked who's going to win versus Florida and um, Utah. I'm going to say this with... Uh, if Utah's quarterback is still injured. I'm definitely not sure how that would go. Cam Rising is is a major part of that Ute's offense, and um, at the same time, it's going to be interesting to watch Florida have to come out to uh, anywhere west of the Rockies. Well, this is technically on the Rockies, so you're not really west of it. But we'll we'll see how that goes. And I hope, by the way, for those of you out there, I hope any Florida fans. I'm sure there's thousands of you listening. No, but I mean that would like to to go out there. It's a beautiful place to see a game. I've been to a game at BYU. I've been out there for fun, just driving through. It is if you can get a chance to see a game in Utah, any of the schools. Utah, there's only you know Utah State, Utah or uh, um, or BYU. That is a magnificent backdrop to see any sport, um, especially college football. You know, another interesting um, kind of note, sort of a sad note. Uh, Sunny Saylor, the uh, owner of Aga, the Georgia mascot bloodline. Um, He's been featured many times. Anytime they really want to go in a deep dive on that lovely mascot of Georgia, he passed away at age 90. So a full life for him, Um, featured many times in college sports. I remember he was living in Savannah. Um, Full life for him, but again, sadly, he has passed on. Also this week, we had the second year anniversary of the Alliance, that famous, infamous I don't know. It's like one of those pre uh, World War meetings where everyone kind of mocks it because you see everyone kind of handshaking for a supposed peace treaty, but everyone just starts killing each other immediately. Well, the ACC, Big Twelve, and Pac twelve formed the alliance um, in the wake of the uh, the Texit of um, Texas and Oklahoma, or out. Pardon me. That's the other way people like to write it in all caps. Heading over to the SEC. As we know, that turned into a lot of, uh, that turned into a massive knife fight, which ended up bringing the big 12, which killed the remainder of the PAC 12. But Hey, uh, I see we have a hand up betting monster. What's what's on your mind?
5: Yes. Um, uh, I heard where you have brought up in the, uh, for us with Nebraska. Listen, I, I, I give Nebraska a couple of years. I think they're going to be back raising hell as once what they used to be for anybody old enough to remember, uh, Listen, we've we seen what this same head coach did when he got to Baylor. We've seen how the next year he turned that around. He bringing a good staff over there with him. Um, he bringing Tony over there as a D.C. Um, he bringing a good wide receiver over there, head coach. it would be his first season. Uh, I just think Matt Roy is going to do some great things over there. I think he's going to try to get a lot of those kids from out of Texas to come down there with him. Uh, but – A guy that I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on, because I love how you uh, break everything down for us. college football is, and this is a game that I'm going to be watching, uh, and that's Deion Sanders playing TCU. Uh, Now, listen, Deion the one on all levels, and I'm rooting for the guy, and I'm I'm not knocking Deion. uh, But... This is not Dion out there on the field. These are these kids that's going out there on the field, and I think Dion know how to use, say the right words, and know how to talk. And when you walk in the house, it's Dion, and and you you can get those players. I just don't know if he's a X's and O's type guy, because I understand what he did. You know, with uh, when he when he came from the uh, uh, what school was that? He just came Jackson from State. Uh, Jackson State. yeah, I've been talking college football all day, but Jackson State. And and he did turn that thing around. He did a marvelous job up there. But but when he played, when he went over to the SWAC and played all those schools over there, he got dog walked. So now I know he's bringing. Uh, I know he's bringing a good OC over there. that was a head coach uh, from last year uh, with him. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on Dion. I know this ain't gonna be the year. Next year's supposed to be the year for them. But I just want to get your thoughts on what you think. This Colorado. I mean they, they can't do no worse than what they did last year. I think they went one in eleven last year. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah,
0: well, you're right. I don't think they can do worse than last year. I think I think TCU, granted, they've lost some key folks from that that Cinderella team that, that got, you know, we well, Cinderella eventually meeting Godzilla, but you know, they they definitely went further and they're gonna be I think they're they're gonna be outmatched by by TCU pretty much across the board. And it'll be interesting to see only because, of course, Colorado meanwhile had the offseason drama of one of the most, I think, the most dramatic, you know, roster swap. You know, with people heading out and people basically being shown the door, and bringing in an entirely huge number of players via the transfer portal. I don't think anyone's ever come close to what uh, what they managed to pull off. I forgot the exact numbers, but I know it, it's by far the record for what was done. So we're going to be also seeing how that even goes and whether that. I mean, for for people last season talking about, wow, USC brought, you know, this all-star team of all these random players, are they going to be able to work together? You know, it, it kind of worked, but, I mean, yeah, they're on the offense, as we've talked heavily, you and I, about the defense. But here we're seeing an entire team, like, from scratch. I will see if it works. Gosh, if it works in any way that looks remotely successful, we're going to see some crazy... Uh, we're going to see people trying to copy that at other schools. I think when a new head coach comes in, they're going to be less less hesitant to do that kind of a, a complete change-up. But all of that said, we'll see where this goes. I'm not uh, – this season's going to be you're right. This season's going to be uh, – People will want to see more from them. I mean, certainly the games Ooh. after that are going to be more interesting to see how he does with the the their blood rival in Nebraska. People don't realize how much Colorado and Nebraska hate each other. If you if you never spent right. time around those people, you don't realize that is the one team Nebraska. Sweet, right. sweet Nebraska fans. It's a
5: it's a it's a rival yeah. game. It's a rival Yeah, Nebraska game. fans are
0: awesome yeah. to talk to, but man, you I've been the I've been a Lincoln for a game. It's a wonderful place to go, but man, you you can sense that Colorado
5: rivalry. And then they're going to play Colorado State. I, I, so, yeah, I, I think if real quick, and then I'll I let you go. I, I, I think that if Deion can win, just win one game that really means something, I think he, it, he, listen, he can't be, he have to be happy from that. If he can be one of those powerhouses that, you know, because I, I just don't see, listen, I, I don't see this team winning no more. Maybe I, I give him maybe, I give him maybe three games, maybe four at the least. I, I just don't, I, I don't think that they're just ready. But, I mean, he, even he said they're not ready. Like I said, they're bringing a new OC, you know, over there, Sean Lewis. Uh, we, we'll see what he do. I think that's going to help Dion out a lot. Uh, he So, we'll see. I just don't know if he's an X's and O's type of guy. And But, listen, it, spotlight is on him. And, you know, now you got to go. And uh, we'll see what his quarterback do, his son. Uh, and then we'll see what Trevor Hunter does. Absolutely. Uh, they got him playing. Yeah, they got him playing two position, corner you know, cornerback and receiver. I think he should focus more on being a receiver. That's where your money's at. But uh, we'll find out. Absolutely.
0: I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, again, we'll see if he can be more of a CEO coach and rely on folks like Sean Lewis and Charles Kelly as his coordinators. Let's see here. I see I let up um, level up Luke. What's on your mind?
6: Hey, Uh, thank Thanks so much. Uh, Thank you uh, for doing these spaces. And just as a Syracuse fan, shout out to Sean Lewis. He's phenomenal. So, I mean, I'm definitely cheering for him. I have kind of a half-formed question slash, you know, concept as we're going towards these consolidated super conferences. Um, I'm a soccer fan as well, and MLS just did a blatant cash grab in the forms of in the form of a midseason competition called the League's Cup. Right, right. They took a, yeah, yeah. They took a, a pause in the middle of the regular season, gave all the teams a month off, and put them in a single elimination tournament with the teams from Mexico. Um, it was phenomenal. Fans loved it. Uh, turnout was massive. The, uh, the viewership numbers were way up. Um, so my my half-formed question is since we're going into an era of even more blatant cash grabs in college football, is there something maybe akin to the league's cup that could work like maybe taking the month of December and throwing four teams in a mini quad or pod uh, that are regionally close together and giving them some sort of a little like mini championship ahead of the
0: You know, like the bowl season or something like that, like the bean pot for Boston college, like Boston area college hockey teams. You know, something like that. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, you know, like it would be cool. I random. know that one. That logistically, though, that's such a hard one with football. I mean, because you think basketball does that. Men's basketball absolutely has those kind of tournaments. You know, in like preseason, yeah, Hawaii, post-season, Puerto Rico, season, wherever. You know, and I think to an extent, basketball is a little bit more flexible for that kind of thing. For the logistics of football and just the sheer I don't know if you get the buy in for that because you know, a lot of coaches are gonna be like, Why am I putting my players through this grinder for a couple of extra games and risking losing some of them in games that may not matter for what we're ultimately going for? So I think that would be the and I'm not I don't know mean to dis you know, soccer in the sense that it is, it can be a very physical sport, you know, I mean, for all the, the jokes that get made, I mean, you know, it's, but I, it, football, man, it's, it can just, there's so much risk, I think on an, I want to dare, I would confidently say an increased level that I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable. I could see coaches, especially not, and administrators not wanting players to necessarily add that extra risk or even players necessarily being as hyped for it as you would get in some other sports. So let me ask
6: you, as opposed to the current bowl system where you have a lot of basically exhibition games that mean very little, have random sponsors and random locations. Oh, so after the season. If that was, yeah, like if it was like in December, because I, obviously the biggest problem with this idea is the lower quantity of games per season. Each game means so much significantly more and there's much less schedule time available for it. So if you took, like, the month of December and had, uh, like, a quad of four teams, the winners play an extra two games a season, that's no more than teams would play in the championship. And obviously, if you're playing in the semifinals or the uh, 12-team playoff, you're not participating in this kind of system. But – Wouldn't it be kind of cooler if you had teams that were close by but in different conferences playing against each other and there's something on the line besides just an exhibition?
0: I mean, it's an interesting idea. It kind of reminds me of a couple of things. I mean, some people before I think the playoff expanded, there was starting to get a growing push for a separate kind of G5 tournament um, or something like that or even, you know, it's an interesting idea or, you know, with the FCS side. There was kind of a rule. I mean, there was this actually was part of the reason why the uh, there was some dissent in, like, with the MEAC and FCS HBCU football conference. Some of the teams left. Uh, North Carolina A&T was strong program, and they started to get a little. I know there was some sense that they're getting irritated that they were becoming quite good and beating occasionally FBS programs in the in the pre in the early season, and then with the way they were structured, they couldn't go into the FCS playoff. If they won the conference, they were forced not. I mean, I don't mean. I don't mean make make it sound quite as awful. But they were locked into going to the Celebration Bowl due to the agreement, which was a bigger payout for the record. You know, because it's a it's an ESPN broadcast game. But they wanted to go and play in the FCS tournament, and they weren't allowed to unless. They, something weird happened. It happened one year. They didn't win their division, so they could, or they didn't win this, pardon me, the, the MIAC, so they couldn't go to the Celebration Bowl, but they were still so good they got an at-large bid to the college football, pardon me, the FCS tournament. So you, you, that made me think kind of like, well, is there a way to kind of have these if-or-or or situations where there would be like a mini-tournament in a region? It would be logistically a heck of a thing to do. Um, the media model for that would probably be there, but it would be, I mean, it's plausible if it were end of the season, like teams that didn't necessarily go. Is it like some version of the NIT for, for college football? I'm not sure. But it's an interesting idea um, and, and one that I, I haven't heard before, but uh, I appreciate that.
6: Well, yeah, let, let me ask you then just as a follow up, let's put your network uh, executive hat on. What would be the best blatant cash grab that could get more eyeballs on the sport? Um, after we move to a 12-team playoff, once we have super conferences, once we're in the dystopian nightmare of college football, what what's the next thing that you would propose as a network executive to get people to tune in?
0: <laughs> Live gambling, like, like straight up from your TV. No, <laughs> then you get... Then you get folks. I mean, like integrate gambling even more. Then we'll totally become a, a, a you know this dystopian version of the college football that that folks from 30 years ago wouldn't recognize. You know, I want to, and I apologize. I want to allow a couple of the folks before we slowly start wrapping this up to get a chance to talk because we're starting to go past an hour. Um, Aaron, what's going on?
7: Hey, what's up? Thanks for having
0: me. Absolutely.
7: So to answer your last uh, question of the last uh, speaker. Obviously, it's more noon on Sunday nationally televised games between Rutgers and Northwestern that would draw more eyeballs to sport, <laughs> for sure.
2: See the train wreck.
7: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I'm a longtime Rutgers fan. I, I actually cover Rutgers for a site that I own. I was curious on your perspective. We're we conditioned as Rutgers fans to be terrified of this game. Obviously, they're favored Northwestern with all the the scandal and, and issues they have and the uncertainty and. Um, you know, I'm curious from a national perspective, if, you know, from my perspective, they lose this game, it's, I hate the overreactions of one game, uh, the first game a- in terms of positives or negatives, but I really do think this would be a-, a very damaging loss for Rutgers if they if they did lose it. And I'm curious from your perspective on the national level, what the perception would be of Shiano's second tenure, and, you know, obviously he's on an eight-year contract. He's not going to be on the hot seat no matter what happens this year unless, you know, true disaster happens. Um, but for me, it, it would raise a, a huge, huge flag for, is he actually going to be able to turn this around to a point where they are going to bowl games regularly again? So just kind of interested on your take there. Oh, I think
0: you're absolutely right. I mean, if, they, if you can't beat Northwestern in the state Northwestern is in, because we – <laughs> For those who you living under a rock, they had a an absolutely imploding, you know, season preseason because obviously there was a hazing scandal. Their head coach is kicked out. You now have the head coach is the guy who was just hired, who is totally untainted by the previous um, the previous regime. He was hired as a defensive coordinator, uh, David Braun. He's now the head coach. They're now going to kind of. They were already looked at is probably going to be the bottom of the big 10. And now they're heading in even in worse shape than before. So if Rutgers can't knock that down at
7: home in Piscataway, I don't know, you know, it doesn't look good. Yeah. I I think also, you know, this schedule is tailor made to to have a bit of a run this year. You know, you have Northwestern, the Temple, Virginia Tech at home, uh, you know they have a, they have a legitimate chance to go into October uh, four and one with Michigan State coming in for homecoming and Indiana on the road, a team they have beat two years in a row. Again, getting ahead of myself, but with a with an inexperienced offense, with a with a veteran coaching staff, I just feel like they have to build some type of confidence uh, level. But you know, with Ben Bryan, I he, he scares me a little bit, and uh, yeah, I you know, uh, respectfully to Stuart Mandel in that article that came out. I do disagree that you know Rutgers is yes. the worst realignment move ever because the Big Ten profited, and I, I do think long term it's, it's going to make Rutgers better overall. Uh, obviously a long way to go there, uh, and it was more personnel in terms of bad hires I think than anything. But um, yeah, I'm just worried from a national perspective that if they lose it, you know, I, I can already see the Twitter feeds uh, uh, on Sunday if if it's a nine to six game, it, Rutgers loses that. Just the 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 pile on that will happen, and uh, the heat that will will be on that team right away in week one, where this you know the expectations are relatively low. Uh, you know everyone would be thrilled with six and six in a bowl game, um, but yeah, just in terms of his overall trajectory, uh, it, it it feels like this is uh, as big of a game in terms of a, a tenure as as you could have kind of at the phase he's in. Absolutely, that would
0: be that would be a cluster, uh, completely. And but the thing is, and I just want to go back to what you said earlier. I agree. The schedule for Rutgers, pardon me, the season is you know six wins would be the goal. You know, any more would be would be would be icing. But there is room in that schedule for Rutgers to actually manage to at least get to at least some minimum bulk, you know, bulk qualification, which would be a victory, and which would be a great way to build off of it we know Shiano can get Rutgers moving. Um the question is can can he get there again and here in a second tenure. But I really do appreciate that, man. That was uh that was some great that was some great insight and some great thoughts on what's going on um on a pair of teams that not necessarily everyone's paying attention to, but we certainly will as we head into week one. You know, I want to just mention a couple of other interesting stories that may have been missed. The one that kind of struck us was um It's in FCS football, but on the side, even fewer people pay attention to because the University of San Diego is a small Catholic college in San Diego. Don't mistake them for San Diego State, Um, but they play FCS. They play non-scholarship FCS in the Pioneer Football League, along with a kind of a national conference at like Valparaiso, St. Thomas in Minnesota, um, uh, Davidson in North Carolina, etc. But... Something went wrong really recently, so there was apparently a hazing incident. They haven't been good on the details, but the quote is nearly half of the team is suspended. Um, They're not sure how many of them are going to show up for their opening game at Cal Poly, which is a scholarship pick Sky team, but... Wow, that's one of the bigger ones we've read so far. So, I mean, again, that's that's one of those ones where I doubt any of you have, like, a real rooting interest in San Diego or even Cal Poly. It's just one of those where you kind of, like, hear the story and you're like, ooh, that's going to be a mess. Um, kind of we're going to slowly go ahead and wrap up here. As we do, uh, I just want to make sure I've hit everything that we kind of want to – I think I hit most of the things we wanted to talk about. There's so much going on in college football. It's so wonderful to be this close. Like, we're past week zero – we're in the middle of getting ready for Week One, all the teams are going to get a chance to play. Um, I just want to say, uh, oh, and my my good friend uh, Jake HTO Boy, who is one of our reporters, he was at the uh, Ohio at San Diego State game. He said one of the running jokes in the press box of Week Zero was, "Look at this! Look at this time the clock running after. Me, look at all this time the clock is running after the first down. Um, we may finish one or two minutes sooner than before." Just to go back to kind of those numbers that were crunched uh, in that tweet I mentioned earlier on this evening, with the numbers for the first seven games, or seven games that were looked at, with these new clock rules, the three rules designed to speed up the game, the average number of plays was down 7.8%. So 63.3 plays from 68.7 plays across last season. But the actual length of the game was only down three minutes. So we just... Made the game a little bit faster, really, just to fit in more commercials. So hopefully that isn't the true case. Maybe when we have more than seven games, uh, we'll, we'll see that it'll actually work out better in the end. But if it isn't, I really hope they uh, they retool those rules. What can I say? But on behalf of all of us at RCFB, my name's Bobek Ekhaieri. This was RCFB Talk 155. It's always great talking to all of you, hearing from you. And let's head in in week one. We wish all your teams well. Take care. I'm Hang Up and Listen.